Hello! Welcome to another story about the Peters family. We're back after our Christmas break with a new story entitled Penelope's Passion. As always, we've included a line from a hymn or a hymn title within the story. If you recognize it, send your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. If yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize. In our last story, Pearson's Christmas Joy, we included two hymns within the story. So there were two winners. Our first winner was Annie from Concord, California, with her answer of, Thou didst leave thy throne. Our second winner was Hadley from Fort Wayne, Indiana. His answer of Silent Night was the second hymn title within the story. Great job, you guys! Are you ready for the first story of 2021? Let's go. Penelope's Passion Time flies. So like everything else, the Peters' Christmas had come and gone quite quickly. The decorations had been packed away, and the Christmas music had ceased. The only remnants of the sweetest of holidays were the children's toys that had been daily scattered around the house. It had been a week and a half since Christmas, and the new toys had not yet lost their luster. Patience and Priscilla, Pearson and Penelope's twin toddler sisters, constantly spread their magnetic building tiles around the living room along with their blocks and their play food, most of which had to be picked up each day by Pearson and Penelope because the twins' idea of cleanup was completely unthorough. However, Pearson and Penelope were also big contributors to the mess, still off of school with nothing but time to play with their new toys. One of Pearson's gifts was an airsoft M15 rifle, and if he wasn't running around shooting with Todd, he was indoors pretending to shoot bad guys inside, and his sisters were all too happy to join in the fun with him. He loaned them his phone dart guns, and they had great fun playing with one another. Penelope, too, had received a true Christmas favorite, a full-sized Little Miss Molly doll. On Christmas Day, Daddy Peters had taken out a large package wrapped in red wrapping with green scrawl that said Merry Christmas from under the tree and had handed it to Penelope. Of course, she could hardly contain her excitement. But when she unwrapped the present, that's when her excitement really ramped up. It was the only present she received because Daddy and Mama Peters had decided that for this Christmas, everyone would get one present along with stocking stuffers. No one really needed anything, and they wanted to teach and learn more gratitude because Christmas wasn't just about getting presents anyway. It wasn't a difficult transition for the Peters children as they definitely already felt like they had more than they needed anyway. So when Penelope opened her lone gift, a full-size Little Miss Molly doll, she was over the moon with excitement. It was from the Revolutionary War era, and the doll was dressed in a little green frock, a miniature petticoat beneath, and black lace-up boots. Her long brown hair was done up in ringlets that fell on her face. In addition, there were freckles on her face that had been painted on ever so delicately. Penelope had fallen in love immediately. The doll had come packaged in a box, which informed the buyer that the little Miss Molly doll inside was named Mercy, and the picture on the outside of the box showed Mercy riding in a horse-drawn carriage. The words printed on the box had their intended effect. For one thing, the buyer would know that the only thing inside the box was the doll. And secondly, the picture was so alluring that the receiver of the package would likely want to buy that carriage. And so it was with Penelope. The moment that her eyes alighted on that carriage, she knew she just had to have one. 
Both sets of grandparents had given money to each of the children, and Penelope had exactly $40 to spend on an item of her choice, or else she could sock the money away. She asked Mama Peters to look up the price of the horse carriage, and it was exactly $35.99 plus tax. Penelope knew then and there how she would spend her Christmas money. Mama Peters, may I buy the little Miss Molly horse carriage for mercy? Penelope had asked the day after Christmas. Pen is kind of an expensive toy. That little Miss Molly line is so pricey. Mama Peters had responded as she looked at the picture that Penelope handed her of the horse carriage on the box. Penelope had taken the time to cut out the part of the box with the picture of the horse carriage with Mercy sitting inside. But that wasn't all, because in the background were lots of snow-covered cedar trees which lined a white picket fence path. The expense notwithstanding, Penelope was determined to build a case as to why this purchase would be a wise one. Well, it's it's not too expensive, Mama Peters, because because I have money that I got for Christmas from Grandma and Grandpa and Grandma and Papa. Mama Peters listened and thought for a moment. Yes, that's true, but, hmm. What are you, hmm, about, Daddy Peters asked, as he walked into the dining room where Penelope was trying to persuade Mama Peters. Penelope is trying to convince me that she should buy the horse and carriage with her own money from Christmas. It does go well with the little Miss Molly doll that we bought her. Now it was Daddy Peters' turn to consider the buy. Hmm, interesting proposition. How much is the horse and carriage? Penelope started all over again, giving Daddy Peters the story from the beginning and explaining why the price was actually pretty fair as far as Little Miss Molly accessories go. Daddy Peters listened attentively and didn't interrupt. It was only when she had finished that he began to speak. Well, Nellie, it seems like you haven't had too much time to think about it. Since Christmas was just yesterday, you've had less than 24 hours to contemplate buying this. Do you think that's an adequate amount of time to consider such a decision? But I have the money, Daddy Peters. Penelope was trying to keep her voice calm. I get that, Nellie, but you didn't answer the question. What are some of the considerations that have gone into this decision to buy it? I don't don't get what you mean, Daddy Peters. Penelope had begun to fear that her request was about to be quashed. I mean, have you considered that $40 is a lot of money for a toy? Have you considered that you already have a lot of toys? Have you considered that you haven't put in a whole lot of time to think about it? Have you considered whether or not the Lord might not want you to have the toy? I'm not intimating at all that you shouldn't buy it, but everything is a matter of the heart, Nellie. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not implying that we can't have things because the Bible says that God gives us all things to enjoy. But conversely, the Bible also talks about being covetous and being content. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Penelope's words began to spill out more quickly. Well, well, Daddy Peters, it's not quite $40. Also, I do have the money from Grandma and Grandpa and Grandma and Papa to spend. And so, yeah, okay, I have a lot of toys, but, but I would give every single one of my toys up for this little Miss Molly carriage. And I haven't put a lot of time thinking about it, Daddy Peters, but, but it might sell out. But you didn't answer the final question about the Lord, Pen. Did you consult with the Lord about this? Well, well, Daddy Peters, I haven't yet, but, but doesn't, doesn't God give us the freedom to buy things we like? Oh. Penelope had ended her sentence with a groan because she had no idea how this would go. Yes, dear, he does. But it's never freedom to do just exactly what we want. Everything 
Even the most minute things are under his dominion. God wants us to respond to everything in faithfulness, knowing that we need to subject our desires to his. In every decision we make, we must be faithful to pray for God's direction. Because even small things can become an idol and have dominion over us. Well, I just prayed while you were talking, so I really feel like I should do it, Daddy Peters. Penelope, you're being impatient. Remember what we always say around here? Impatience and adolescence go together, like water and ice in very cold weather. So flee the passions of youth while you're young, because temperance and waiting are heroes unsung. Grandma used to say that to me all the time while growing up. When we're young, we tend to be impatient. We can't wait for this thing or that thing. That's why 2 Timothy 2.22 warns us that when we're young, we need to flee the passions of youth. That means that we must be careful with the things that grab our attention, to which we give all of our energies, maybe even desires that started out well, but have become evil desires. It says that we're to run away from them. We need to be temperate people, willing to wait and not be driven by all of our desires. That's what that little poem is about. It's about learning to wait, and then wait some more, and wait even longer, because nothing in this world will be able to satisfy you ever, no matter how much you want something, and you think it might be the neatest, the coolest, and to borrow a phrase from Todd, totally tubular, it will simply not deliver like Christ will. You'll always find that we're fickle people and our affections will change. That little Miss Molly horse and carriage will be neat for a hot minute. But my guess is that this too, like everything else, will not meet your greatest expectations. In addition to that poem that my grandma always used to say to me, she frequently sang a song around the house. And the first line of that song has stuck with me ever since I was a little boy. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. It's the Spirit of God that searches our hearts and points out our sin even when we can't see it. By that point, though, Penelope was hardly listening to Daddy Peters. It wasn't that she was trying to be disrespectful, but her mind had wandered to the picture of the horse and carriage on that box. She started to wonder where that picture had been taken. She could tell that it had been taken in the woods. Evergreen Heights had a wooded area just like that. She thought about going to that wooded area and playing with Mercy and the horse and carriage and what that would be like. It would just be the best! And her friends from the neighborhood, Heather and Lisa, would bring their own little Miss Molly full-sized dolls, and they could play for hours together. Her daydreaming abruptly ended when Daddy Peters turned to her and said, Does that make sense, Nellie Bell? Daddy Peters called Penelope Nellie Bell whenever he was being tender and trying to help her work through a problem. Penelope nodded. Yes, that does make sense, Daddy Peters. So if I still want it in a few hours, can I buy it? Daddy Peters shook his head and let out a long, disappointed sigh and looked at Mama Peters, who also looked a little disappointed that Penelope wasn't giving an inch. Okay, Nellie, I've tried to warn you and talk to you about what the Lord might want. I don't know that this is the most practical purchase you've ever made, because you haven't exercised much patience, but go ahead and buy it. I'm not suggesting that it's a bad purchase, because I really don't know, but I'll be praying that if God wants to teach you something through this purchase, that He'll make that clear to you. That was all Penelope needed to hear. She let out a loud, excited, but shrill screech. And hugging Daddy Peters around the neck, she placed a giant kiss on his cheek. Mama Peters laughed (laughs) and opened the laptop 
where under her guidance, Penelope purchased the horse and carriage. Penelope's impatience continued to manifest itself every single day she had to wait for that horse and carriage to come. She would ask Mama Peters to check for delivery updates to find out where the horse and carriage would be delivered. According to the tracking, it was supposed to have been delivered within three days, but it was not to be because it had gotten lost in the mail and wasn't slated to arrive for an additional three days. Penelope had harangued Mama Peters every day, asking if she could call the Postal Service or the Little Miss Molly Company to find out where it was. To anyone who was willing to lend an ear, she talked about how Mercy would enjoy the horse and carriage so much, so that by the end of the week after Christmas, every single person in the Peters family had heard more than they had ever wanted to know about the Little Miss Molly line and the horse and carriage. They could hardly stand another description about the carriage or Penelope's complaint about the Postal Service. Day after day, Penelope would watch for the postal carrier, breathlessly awaiting the package. The day that the postal carrier rang the bell was a day that she had been watching from her upstairs bedroom window. Penelope dashed down the stairs, answering the door herself, and thanked the postal carrier. Immediately after the door had slammed shut behind her, she tore into the package to find her horse and carriage exactly as she had expected it to be except for a stark, noticeable difference. The real thing was slightly smaller than the picture on the package, and though she was unwilling to admit it aloud, she had to admit to herself that the plastic parts looked a little bit less glamorous than in the picture, but it would have to do. So for the few days before school was slated to begin again, Penelope played for hours on end with her little Miss Molly doll and her horse and carriage, pretending that Mercy was writing to this event or that. One of the days during Christmas break, she made a trip to Evergreen Heights on her bike with Pearson and Todd riding along, where she met up with Heather and Lisa. The girls played with their dolls together while Pearson and Todd tried to build bike jumps in the snow. It was on their return home, after saying goodbye to Lisa and Heather and Todd at their houses, that calamity struck. Noticing that the snow was beginning to fall a bit harder, Pearson and Penelope began pedaling their bikes faster. They wanted to make it home before Mama Peters began to worry only they were riding a little too fast because Penelope lost control of her bike and rode right into a bush on the side of the road. Her bike skidded and she fell off her bike right on top of her backpack which had the toys inside. She wasn't badly hurt, but Pearson had caught up with his sister and was slightly concerned. You okay, Pen? He frantically shouted as he helped her up off the ground. Thankfully, yes. That was a close one, though. I'm just glad this bush was here. I could have skidded right into that tree. I know. Praise the Lord you didn't, though, Pin. You do have a little scrape on your elbow. Is that okay? Oh, I think it'll be okay. I, it's, it's a little, it's a little painful, but I'm just glad it isn't worse. We need to get home, though. A few minutes later, they were inside in the warmth of their home where Mama Peters applied a bandage on Penelope's bloody elbow. Patience and Priscilla wandered into the kitchen and grabbed Penelope's backpack from the floor pulling out all of her belongings. They grabbed Mercy and the horse and carriage, and as toddlers tend to do, they began fighting over the horse. It wasn't long before Penelope took notice, and in horror shouted, My horse! You girls have broken my horse! Its head is no longer attached. What in the world have you done? Penelope screeched so loudly that part of what she was saying was almost unintelligible. Instantly, Mama Peter stepped into the freakus and with her voice raised rebuked her oldest daughter. Penelope, you are speaking very impatiently. Please sit down. Patience, Priscilla, 
How did you break Penelope's horse? She asked her distraught youngest daughters. Though the twins still had a limited vocabulary because of their age, they both made it clear that neither one of them had broken the horse's head off. But it wasn't broken before, Mama Peters. Just look what they've done. Penelope was frazzled, but she clearly understood what the twins were trying to say. Her words had barely escaped her mouth when all at once she remembered her fall and she recalled the distinct cracking sound that she had heard when she fell on her backpack. But that detail had gotten lost in her interaction with Pearson and her desire to get home quickly. She suddenly felt sick to her stomach, knowing that she had been at fault for the horse's head situation. Tears sprang to her eyes, and she dropped her head into her hands and plopped on the floor. (laughs) Penelope, honey, I know you're upset, but your sisters really didn't mean to do it. I know, Mama Peters. I know. Penelope was beside herself. Are you crying then over this plastic horse? Penelope, I have to tell you that this plastic horse is a pretty cheap piece of workmanship. It was only a matter of time before it broke. After it arrived in the mail, I was horrified looking at it because it's not worth the money you spent. Oh, sweet girl, I'm not trying to cause you more grief, but I just want you to know that it was bound to happen. I know, Mama Peters, I know all that. Well, then why are you crying, honey? I'm crying because I'm so ashamed of myself. I was so angry with the twins. But the truth is, Mama Peters, this horse and carriage disappointed me when it came. I knew it. I knew I'd made a mistake and it wasn't worth the money. I opened them and I I immediately knew that I had... That I shouldn't have made that purchase. And I didn't want to admit it because I didn't want anyone to know how bad I felt. But I just realized how proud I've been. I didn't want to say that I was wrong. I didn't want to take the time to pray about it before. I didn't take the time to consider the things that Daddy Peters had warned me about. And I didn't really want to hear the poem that always says, you know, (laughs) he always says, you know the one. Without hesitation, Mama Peters began to recite the poem. Impatience and adolescence go together, like water and ice in very cold weather. So flee the passions of youth while you're young, because temperance and waiting are heroes unsung. Yep, that's the one, Mama Peters. That's the one that Daddy Peters says all the time. And I know it's all about what the Bible says, but I didn't listen. And I'm ashamed, I'm embarrassed, that I wanted something so badly that I didn't listen to wisdom. And I'm... I'm even more ashamed that I tried to cover that up by just not saying what it, that it was a cheap toy and that you guys were my, that you're right. Oh, Mama Peters, I've been blinded by my pride. Well, guess what, sweetie? We are all blinded by pride. Remember Hebrews 5.14 says that we must practice to distinguish good from evil? It takes practice to recognize our sin because it masquerades as good sometimes. But you've done exactly what you should do before God. You've admitted that you deceived yourself and you've humbled yourself. And when we do that, pride loses its power. Oh, thank you, Mama. You are so right. Oh, Nellie Bell, I'm sorry about your horse. Unbeknownst to Penelope, Daddy Peters had been standing there for some time looking at the broken horse. Daddy Peters, how long have you been there? long enough to hear you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Praise God, Penelope, 
Daddy Peters, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you. Please forgive me. I forgive you, darling. May the Lord do a mighty work in your heart to help you flee the passions of youth. I know, Daddy Peters. Anyway, do you know anyone that could use a horse's head that's in pretty good shape? Penelope asked, smiling as she held up the head. It's funny that you should mention that, Daddy Peters teased. I know two little girls who would love a practically new horse's head. And with that, Penelope handed the horse's head and its disconnected body to the twins, who were only too happy to receive some new toys, even ones that were broken. This is Grandmom's Corner. As I listened to this week's story, I was reminded of how hard it is for us, even us who know the Lord, to admit when we're wrong. A few days before Christmas, I awakened early and I was lying in bed ruminating and praying. For some reason, I thought about how decades ago, my mom, her best friend and I, would stop in at a rest home on Sunday afternoons. We would visit with the different people who lived there and we would sing different hymns as I played the piano. One of the patients was a man named Clarence. He had suffered a debilitating accident and he could no longer talk or walk, but he could sing. He would sing a little Christian chorus, and my mom's friend would write a letter to Clarence's relatives on his behalf. Even though he couldn't speak, he was able to indicate what he wanted written. In those days, there was no email, so my mom's friend would address an envelope and send it for him. As I was lying in bed, I remembered being so impatient and being such a selfish teenager because I didn't want to spend time with him. Instead, I wanted to chat with my mom and her friend, who, though much older than me, was a lot of fun. I wasn't interested in caring for Clarence. For some reason, in the darkness of my room, I remembered my self-centered ways, and I was chagrined. I even winced, but I confessed my sin to the Lord. I honestly don't remember if I'd confessed it before that morning, but man, I was sorry for my heart attitude of decades ago. And you want to know the best thing about my story? Despite my sin of egregious selfishness, which is rooted in pride because I was thinking more about myself than about Clarence's needs, God graciously forgave me. I don't ever have to think about it again. And if it ever does come to mind, I can put it off and think instead about what Psalm 103 verses 11 to 12 say, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our wrongdoings from us. Isn't that awesome? We will sin, but we can confess it and be cleansed, and God will remove the guilt of our sin. That's good news for a new year, isn't it? Actually, that's good news for every day. We'll be here next week with a new story, the Lord willing. Bye for now.